Today, um, I want to deal with what the Spirit of God visited me over the next few minutes concerning the will of God. You know, no one can have the blessings of God without being in the will of God. Amen. And so we're going to talk about the perfect will of God. Say that out loud. The perfect, mature, complete will of God. And even as I said that phrase, the perfect will of God, uh, the Lord's already, I can sense the teacher, who's the teacher of the church, helping me. So the Lord's going to help us today. And his word is not going to return void. So let's go to this verse, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read three verses out of Romans chapter 12. Make a couple of comments to set the stage for what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Praise the Lord. I am so grateful to the Lord for his mercy and his loving kindness. I am so grateful to the Lord that the scripture is very clear about this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. But as we see this today, if we want the fullness of the blessing. See, a lot of people think God's blessing them because they got a mercy miracle to deliver them. Well, no, you got yourself in a mess and God loved you enough to deliver you even though you did that to your dumb self. And he could have just left you alone let you kill yourself. But he didn't. And so God snatching your rear end out of the fire is not him blessing you. It's going to be real clear. You're not okay because God moved in your behalf. He moved in your behalf to get you out of that mess to make you okay. <laughs> I used to think that spectacular intervention was the sign of spirituality until the Lord corrected me. Let me try that over here. I used to think, you know, we talk about all the miracles and whatever. Well, I talk about so many miracles because the body of Christ is so unaware of the spirit realm and they have no hope and no real faith for God's intervention. But God's best is not to live from miracle to miracle. God's best is to live in the blessing where you don't need a miracle. Miracles are the dinner bell to the unsaved. The church shouldn't be having to live from miracle to miracle. They've got the covenant. Amen. So I used to think that divine spectacular intervention was kind of this sign of, whoo, God really moved. Whoo, God visited me. Well, yeah, I understand that. But he usually does that because he's been trying to get your attention for a long time. And now you're at the door of total destruction and he loves you too much to let you keep going because you're going to kill yourself. And it's kind of like a child that's told a hundred times, don't play in the street. But when the child wanders in the street again, because they're not paying attention, not honoring what they've been told, in the wrong place, understand the middle of the interstate is not the place for your child to play. So understand then that if the child wanders into the middle of the interstate, it's not a sign of spirituality Huh? When daddy comes screaming, screaming, running with his arms waving, 
Get out of the street! Get out of the street! Get out of the street! And swoops you up and bails in the ditch and bonk, bonk, and you barely miss the bumper of the Mack truck, which will squash you like a bug. Woo, look what the Lord did in my life. Yeah, fool. What were you doing in the interstate? If you'd have stayed in the yard where he whispered to you to stay, he wouldn't have had to run out there, stop the Mack truck like Superman, jerk you out of the middle of the road. I have found out that when God speaks to me extraordinarily strong, it's for one of two reasons. Either I have not been paying attention and I was so dull and insensitive he couldn't get my attention or I just ignored it and kept on doing my own thing and now it's going to cause me consequences and he loves me too much to let it happen. Or there's rough sailing ahead and he wants me to know before I ever hit it, it's all right, you have heard from me and no matter what, this storm will pass and it will be what I told you it'll be. One of those two reasons is why he would give such strong guidance. But his way of leading the church is by the inward witness. By the Spirit of God. Inside your spirit. And he wants to guide you with his eye. He wants to show you what he sees for you. And he does that in wonderful communion. With his word, by his spirit. He doesn't want to lead you from the outside in. He didn't want to put a muzzle on you or bridle on you or bit in your mouth and make you do something. You're his child after all. You're not an animal. And he wants you to decide to follow him. Which is why he'll let you get out there just as far as your leash will go. And he didn't do that to you. You did that to yourself. But he's right there. Glory be to God. And I'm just so grateful to him for those things. And so uh, we could talk more about that, but you get the point. I, I, I think I should read this verse, though. I'll give you a verse that will really help emphasize this point. And that is Psalm 32. And um, we actually could start around 4 or 5, verse 6, actually. We could start. And we could start in the Amplified Classic. It's pretty powerful. Look at verse 6 in the Amplified Classic. I like this a lot. It says, for this forgiveness, forgiveness, let everyone who is godly pray, pray to you in a time when you may be found. I don't care where you are right now, you can still find God. Surely when the great waters of trial overflow, here's God's promise. It might be pressing on you. You may look like you're going to get overwhelmed but they shall not reach the spirit within you. No matter what circumstances you walk through, just don't let it get down inside of you. That's the biggest problem with the church. Yes, sir, I'll do that. I I knew you had me bring this for a reason. You need to understand your spirit, man, is what the Bible customarily calls your heart. Amen? And uh, the scripture says the issues for the life that you desire um, are coming out of your heart. And so God functions that way from your heart. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things to you here by the Spirit of God 
concerning this. But these are things that will hinder our supernatural help. And one of those things is ignorance. Now, Scripture says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So a person that, and and here's the amazing thing about it. This is the most amazing thing about all of it, is Peter says about last days and end time events and spiritual things, there's a phrase, and it is a phrase that the church needs to hear, and it says, well, I probably should read it. The Lord, I, I just really have a sensing that the Holy Spirit wants to teach the church about himself. And not just about himself, but about themselves. See, there's some things that you've never really looked in the mirror and been honest about concerning you. Amen. And um, this is really interesting. In 2 Peter chapter 3, I want you to look at this verse. Um, I want to read this to you in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Now, we're in a time exactly like this. So I want you to pay close attention. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. It's not the first time they had heard this. This isn't the first time they've heard this. Are you with me? Yes, sir. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. So he said the prophets talked about it, the apostles talked about it, and our own Lord and Savior talked about it. Now look, knowing this, knowing So why did the Lord talk about it? Why did the prophets talk about it? Why did the apostles talk about it? So you can know it. Now understand this. We have supernatural help. The number one hindrance to supernatural help is ignorance about the supernatural. If you you don't know anything about that realm, you just kind of, Throwing Velcro prayers up and hoping they'll stick. But the Bible's pretty clear. Not every prayer gets answered. But every faith-filled prayer that's effective prayed in line with the covenant does. You can have a guaranteed answer to your prayer. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're leaving the prayer room with that thing and supernatural is going to intervene and now I walk by faith and don't even worry what's going on. I don't even care. Cast my care on him because I got this now because heaven's on my side. And I know that 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 I know. I got some information inside me you don't know because it didn't come through my senses. Glory be to God. Now you are a spirit and God's a spirit and he made you in his image so every human in this room can contact that realm. You need to know, we said this yesterday, powerful word yesterday about God standing at the door and knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, there's a couple of things about that. His voice is the door. So if you, if you ignore his voice, you don't go through the door. If you don't do what he says, forget it, the door's shut. But he didn't shut it, you did. 
And because if any man hear my voice, he's knocking at the door. If any man hear my voice, that means any man anywhere can hear the voice of God. So you need to know your spirit. He's a spirit. He will speak to you. You can contact that realm. You can know what to do. And you can set supernatural help in motion in your life on purpose. And when the supernatural starts working in your life, you can recognize it and cooperate with it on purpose. And the outcome will be the blessing of the Lord. And I'm going to read a verse to you in a minute that will show you the outcome will be your inheritance. Glory be to God. Amen. Glory to God. But now notice what this says. This is really important. It says this. Knowing this first. Knowing this. We want you to know something. There shall come in the last days. Where are we? Well, one of the big signs of the last days is scoffers. And the number one sign of scoffers he's going to tell us here. How do you know when a person's a scoffer? They say, well, they've been saying that for 20 years and it didn't happen yet. You a scoffer. See, they've been saying that about this campus over here. But go on and scoff. Because <laughs> you're about to see in 12 months something that's been growing in the unseen for lots of years. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it's just the beginning. Oh, glory to God, I'm hissing. It's about time for them to come home. Glory be to God. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. And here's the definition of a scoffer. They're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They're walking after their own lusts. They're scoffing. And the reason they're scoffing is because if they actually admit God said this, now I must be in willful open rebellion doing this. But if I can scoff at that, and act like it wasn't God that said it, I can just follow my fleshly desires. You see that? So people are amazing creatures because it's amazing how they can rationalize what they're doing when all the down on the inside, they already knew what God was saying to them. There's never been a person sitting in my office that was a born-again Christian that I did any counseling with when they said, well, Pastor, I just didn't know. First thing I'll tell them is, you liar. Because the spirit of the living God came inside you when you got born again. You did too know. And you can walk them back to a place where they knew when they made that decision, they shouldn't do it. But they did it anyway. And then they blew it up, see. Because they were upset or offended at somebody or I'll show them or I just want to do it. I mean, I just want to do it. Well, be honest and say, I sinned because I like sinning. You'd be a lot better off to say, I really wanted to do that. Then to say, I just didn't know. Yeah, you did, fool. Spirit of God's inside of you. And, and I'm going to prove it to you right here. He said, knowing this first, that shall come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue. Now, here's the other thing. You know, they're sight driven. Because they think the promise isn't coming because it doesn't look like it. All things continue like they have been. As they were from the beginning of creation. Now, I love this phrase right here. For this they willingly are ignorant of. 
I'm just going to tell you in this church, if you've been here any length of time and you're ignorant of some spiritual things, it's your own fault. Here's the thing. If people are ignorant of the Holy Ghost, it's because they willingly are. Because he wants to make himself known to people. Because he's trying to lead them out of this curse-filled life into the blessing Jesus has died to give them. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to God. And notice what it says. That the word of God, say the word of God. By the heavens, or the word, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Do you see this? Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What he is trying to communicate to people is the whole reason Things are continuing just like they always have been. It's because the word is keeping it from falling apart for your sake. You're scoffing saying, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? When the truth is, it hadn't come yet because he wants to get you over here where when you're judged, instead of being destroyed, you get lifted up in the ark of safety. Whole reason for the delay is to save you. And what he's saying is the same word, same God, same word, same keeping power that promised he was coming is the same word that has kept it till he comes. So his coming, this judgment, this harvest of seed sown by any human in the earth is as certain as the fact that the world's been rolling around for 6,000 years. But here's the point. I've said this many times over the years, but I'm going to say it again. The guy jumps off the Empire State Building. A lot of folks are like that because they get down to the 50th floor and they whistle by and you hear them saying, so far, so good. See, the problem's not the fall. It's not the fall. It's that sudden stop at the end. (laughs) And that's where, that's what people are ignorant of. Huh? That the same word, huh? That's kept things, kept us from being destroyed because of his faithful mercy, of his covenant to a thousand generations. Same exact word is the same word that's going to melt the whole planet, judge the wicked, and literally cast them into a sinner's hell. Why? Because he's really not judging them, he's judging in behalf of the righteous. There's only so long that evil and good can exist together because good has so much authority. It'll overcome all evil and cast it out. So literally, Satan's lease because of Adam's sin's about to run out. And he knows he has a short time. Well, what does that mean? He's writhing around because he knows his time is short. But this isn't about the devil. This is about you and me. It's about time for us to know our time is short. So short time doesn't mean, oh, it's going to get dark. And oh, there's this contingent of demons that God somehow incarcerated for 6,000 years. And right now, he's going to cut them loose. No, the devil has been defeated for 2,000 years. There is no demon or no name in three worlds that's not subject to that name. The last days is not any more evil. We've been in evil days since Adam sinned. 
Well, then why does it look like it? Because it, the seed of evil has multiplied. But that's not the only seed multiplying. Every seed's coming to harvest. And so is the end time anointing. The promise of God on a people that will live in that moment, which are modern day Davids, and they're about to take them out some modern day Goliaths. Glory to God. You mark my words, God's word will have, and already has had the final say. And if we're ignorant of that, we're willingly ignorant of it. Let me show you another example. This is really important because I talked about in these other meetings, the place to see, being able to see. And we talked about that. And one of the things the Lord said is the place of seeing was the place of transference. Well, he said something else. And this is what I want you to, to see and understand. Go with me to Matthew 15. Praise the Lord. Now I'm going to get back over here and talk about the heart for a moment because you are a spirit. He's knocking on the door of your heart. If you'll open your heart. And uh, so while you're going to Matthew chapter, no, I said 15, Matthew chapter 13. I'll tell you what verse in a minute. So just have Matthew 13 ready. But I want to say this to you, that there are things that will hinder your supernatural help, but you can overcome them. Everyone everywhere has access to supernatural help all the time. Ignorance is the number one thing. Now, one of the greatest things people could ever learn is the heaven heart connection. When Jesus comes to live in you, he comes to live inside of you. Well, the king then has a kingdom. You become a new creature. You're a new creature. You're a new creature. You are the temple. From that day on, God never intended to lead you from the outside in. He lit the candle inside the temple. And he wants to lead you from the inside out. Your spirit's alive. And the king, I haven't ever heard of it. Now, maybe you have if they got deposed or there was a coup or an exile, maybe. But he's not king then if that happens. The king has a kingdom and his throne is within the borders of his kingdom. Are you with me? I don't know of any king that lives geographically outside the kingdom. Right? Well, what did, Luke, what did Jesus say in Luke 20? He said, I mean, Luke 11, it's Luke 11, verse 20, 21. He said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. You're never going to understand the kingdom looking for it with your natural eyes. Because it doesn't come with physical sensory perception. Huh? Let's just, now, now read on that, look at verse 21. Let's go to 22 and 23 here. One more verse. One more verse. Well, that's not where I need to be. What verse is it? Is it verse 19? It's right in there. I know I'm in the right place. It doesn't matter. The point is Jesus said, don't say look here or lo, there's the kingdom. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now that's the point and they'll bring that up when they find it. But here's the thing. The kingdom of God is within you. Say it out loud. The kingdom of God is within me. Where's the king then? See, if the kingdom's in you, he doesn't live outside of his kingdom. So he made your heart his throne, which means your heart's the heaven connector. So if you want a new life, whatever your life is going to be is coming out of your heart. 
out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So Jesus said, right, in Matthew chapter 12, there it is right there, uh, 1721. I had the 21 right. I just had the wrong chapter. 1721. Don't say low here or low there's the kingdom. For behold, the kingdom of God's within you. It doesn't come with observation. Now the point is, in Matthew 12, he says, either call the tree good and make its fruit good, or call the tree corrupt and make its fruit corrupt, but a good tree can't yield evil fruit. So that means apples produce apples, oranges produce oranges, lemons produce lemons. And he's in you. So Jesus doesn't move in you to produce a life of carnality. Oh, come on now. Can't happen. The good king is in you. But you have to understand that because it's a free will society in a sovereign kingdom, he actually gave you the right to rebel against his leadership. But it won't go well with you if you do. So the first thing you're going to have to know is you're going to have to get a revelation that it's in your best interest to do everything he says as close as you can to the way he says it. Because he's not stealing your life from you. Well, I'm going to serve Jesus, but you know, I don't, that means I don't really get to do what I want to do. No, Jesus said you'll never find your life. Unless you're willing to lose that old pitiful, poor, curse-filled, running around, sick life that you die early. Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to find this. Unless you start going for him. But you start going for him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything in there will be added. The whole kingdom will just start coming on you and overtaking you. Glory to God. It's worth it. Let me just tell you, it's worth it. If you're willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. But you got to get all in. I'm telling you, the king is a good king. Hallelujah. He has your best interest at heart. Glory to God. So you need to understand this. This is very important. To change a man. Now, we'll, we'll go to Romans 12 in a moment. I know I had your turn there, and I'm, I'm headed that way, I promise. But to change a man, you got to change his heart. Amen? It's just impossible for any man to change this. His heart changes first. So I could, I could try to pound this into you, but until you make a heart decision to serve God, I can't help you. Change comes from the inside out. But you have supernatural help. That's where he lives. That's where he'll help you. When you make a quality decision, it activates a grace that'll help you to do things you could never do in a hundred lifetimes of your own strength. It's called the Holy Ghost, which we'll get to here in a minute. But number two, for a man to change. So to change a man, you must change his heart. Now see, that's number two. Sounds like it, but it's said a little differently. For a man to change, his heart must change. So now, not only if I'm going to get you changed, I have to change your heart. But for you to change, you've got to be willing for your heart to change. You've got to own up to the fact that this is what I did. I mean, this is who I is. And come and follow on the mercy of the Lord. And then number three, which I've already said. Because notice I said it in like a third person. Now it's second person. So let me say it. To change a man, you must change his heart. For a man to change, his heart must change. So for you to change, you must change your heart. 
Now, this is critically important because you can't serve God and mammon. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve a demon. One of the two. You, you, can't, you, and you can't serve them both at the same time. So you're either been led by a demon or led by the Spirit of God. And the amazing thing about the deceptive devil is he, think, he made you think that was your idea. <laughs> he's trying to kill you. He's, he's pulling you down to no, not there. Huh? Leading you to an ambush. And you think you chose that. You and your little happy self chasing your tail like an animal because you're not listening to the Holy Ghost. Demon took you there. And he came to steal, kill, and destroy. People don't like hearing this, but there's not one unsaved person in the whole world that isn't ruled by demons. The Bible says it's the prince of the power of the air. And the way they lead you is by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. But God. But God. <laughs> but God. And he came to deliver us up out of here, put us in a whole seat where we're not subject to the philosophies and the elemental spirits that drive the world system. We're above it, seated above it. Everything's far beneath our feet. There is a path out and no man can stop it and no demon in three worlds because the blood has bought it and it is sealed forever. Amen. Glory be to God. Woo! Glory be to God. Now, listen to this now. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm not going to all these scriptures, but everything I'm saying to you is scripture. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in other words, what you could say is, what I value, what is of most value within my heart, is what I'm always going to defer to. Are you listening to me? So you need to hear this now. What you value in your heart, your heart will go toward. So in a time of crisis, you'll always revert to it. So if you let stuff get in your heart, it doesn't matter how many 12-step programs you do. You're going to stay bound the rest of your life if, if that thinking and that spirit and that way of living and the way you see yourself and talk about yourself is down in your heart, you're going to wind up right back into rehab. The only one way to get out of that and break that chain, only one way, change your heart. So therefore, here's what has to happen. I'm going to read it again. What you value in your heart, your heart will go toward or revert to. Therefore, if you have value in natural things, you will turn to those things in a time of pressure. That's why you kept going to the bank and getting a loan to consolidate your other loans to lower your payment over a longer period of time so you can manage your cash flow. And basically, you tried to get out of a hole by digging. Let me explain something to you. You cannot borrow your way out of debt. <laughs> now, borrowing's not a sin uh, when you've got it, but it's like anything else. You know, people get addicted because they... People gamble because suddenly they don't trust in the living God but in uncertain riches. And now they're buying lottery tickets and everything else. So therefore, it's kind of like a snowball going downhill. 
because nothing stays the same in either kingdom. It grows. Every seed grows. And so if you give yourself to it, it's just going to get stronger. Those chains are going to get stronger. They're going to get right. So what's got to happen is, is you got to make some adjustments. And I mean, it's little stuff at first. Like not realizing you're addicted to the credit card. Like you think you can't live without it. So you put it on a tray and put it in the oven and turn it up to 500 degrees on broil and boil them. If it's not in your wallet, you're not going to pull it out at Dillard's. Till you can discipline yourself to get where you can pay cash for that shirt. Because the problem is you've already got 10 shirts in your closet. But you're trying to get something fancy and new because they saw you wear that last time at the club. All that fake prosperity comes into church on Sunday morning. Okay. <laughs> this really is edifying, I promise. <laughs> well, if it's not edifying, if you have to say, oh me, at least it's life-saving, right? Later on, we'll throw a banquet and you come around to the fire station and thank us for saving your life. Glory be to God. Therefore, if you value in natural things, you'll turn to those things in a time of pressure and deceive yourself that they can produce an actual change. But if they could have changed it, they would have last time you resorted to them. See, that's the deal, that's the deal about, let, let's just talk about nicotine. Let's just talk about a cigarette for a second. When a person gets addicted to nicotine, their body craves it. Okay, that's, phys, you know, that's a physiology. What do you ever say? Anyway, <laughs> I think that's the right word. But <laughs> physiological, that's the word I was looking for right there. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. And that's a natural reality. Nobody's trying to say you don't have a real withdrawal. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying you need to do is quit saying I need a cigarette. Because you don't need a cigarette. Because if you needed it, once you had it, you wouldn't need another one later. Because see, it didn't fix it. If it fixed it, you could smoke one and be done. But since it can't fix it, you've got to have another one a couple hours from now and another one three hours after that and another one at your next lunch break and, or whatever. Why? Because it's stringing you along. You don't need it. Meanwhile, it's trying to kill you. Deliverance means huh, I'm free from it. It doesn't pull on me. It doesn't talk to me. It doesn't make me do things to respond to its call, its talk, its pressure. Key is you're supposed to walk in dominion. You're supposed to have control of your body and your mind. And that is true in every area. From food. To sex. To television. Until you can tell it no and don't go like this. It's true about a cell phone. Young people, it's true. It's absolutely true about a cell phone. I mean, I've got preachers that if I don't immediately get back to them in a text, 
they almost get offended. Like I'm supposed to be on their speed dial. I'm not their source. Covering's different than being somebody's source. If I can't go pray for three days and fast and leave my phone off and preachers not get mad at me, it's not my problem, it's theirs. <clears throat> you hear what I'm saying to you? You've, glory be to God. Oh, glory to God. Well, I'm deep into this now. You can't borrow your way out of debt. Hallelujah. Can't shorten a message by keeping on preaching either. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, so let's go to, let's go to Romans 12, and uh, we'll get to a couple of things before we're done here. Uh, Romans chapter 12. The point is, this they willingly are ignorant of, and, um, and you'll see this, because <clears throat> I know I had you in Matthew 13 as well. It's, a, it's all about the heart change. Well, let's just read those verses, actually, Matthew 13. I just am going to... Not preach them out, you know. We're just going to read them. Matthew 13, let's look at verse 15. And we'll work our way to Romans 12. Notice what it says here. It says, for this people's heart is waxed gross. It says a lot of folks got a heart murmur and don't know it. They're always murmuring. And just go read Numbers 21. Heart murmurs release snakes into your life. You don't want that. So this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Now here's the key phrase right here. Their eyes. Come on now. What happened? Their eyes, they have closed. That's the same thing Peter said. This they willingly are ignorant of. You're not seeing it because you shut your eyes on purpose. This doesn't have anything to do with God not talking to you. It has to do with you not wanting to hear it. Now this is no different than the demon that was operating in the Sadducees and the Pharisees when people like Stephen were under the anointing and talking and they, ah, who's expected to hear that? Jesus preaching a message about eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's a hard say, ah! They're always tearing their clothes off and throwing dust in the air and screaming with their fingers in their ear. And it's no different. You shutting your eyes, not wanting to hear it. That's the same demon. You just don't have the long ringlets and the big hats and the stuff stuck to your forehead, walking around like this. But you've got the same demon on you. Shut my eyes. Religion just clamped them shut. The Messiah standing in front of them. You're searching the whole scripture trying to find me. And I'm standing here talking to you. Don't recognize it when it comes. This is what he said. Lest at any time, say at any time. Did you know the church can wake up at any time? That the church does not have to stay in a state of slumber. That you don't have to stay in a state of slumber. That you don't have to stay willingly ignorant. That the Holy Spirit's wanting to teach you about himself so you can know that supernatural help is at on demand any time. You use the name of the Lord. He's right there at any time. Shout it out. Come on now. Say it again. Say anytime. Say I can do this anytime. I can see with my eyes anytime. I can hear from God anytime. I can understand with my heart anytime. And I will at any time be converted. 
I can be healed at any time. I choose right now. It's that time. Woo, glory to God. I see myself converted. I see myself healed. I am. I don't need a cigarette. I can live without him or her. Oh, but we're in love. Well, fall in love with God and he'll help break that lust you call love. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Oh, I tell you, we've got to fall in love with the Holy Ghost. Now let's talk about the will of God before I'm done today. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Let's read one through three. One, two, and three. Glory be to God. Say it at any time. Say, I'm being healed. Say, it's my time. It's my right now time. I'm being healed. It's my right now time to see what I need to see, to hear what I need to hear. I can be delivered and converted. I know exactly where I'm going. No demon's going to control my life. I'm coming out of this mess. I'm coming into my best. God has a big plan for me. Hallelujah. Now, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Who's going to do this? You're going to get in the Holy Ghost meeting and God's going to pin you to the floor and make you live holy. Is that the way that works? No, you've got to present your body or the Holy Ghost will never be pinning you to the floor. Because he's a gentleman, he will not make you do anything. Holy Ghost must be submitted to. Because he's not looking for puppets. He's not looking for little toy soldiers. He's got servants of angels. He wants you to serve him because you're in love with him. Because you gave your heart to him. Praise the Lord. So he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And that you be not what? Do not be squeezed into this world's mold. Do not. Church, do not. Church is not. N-O-T, not. Church is not. Capital N, capital O, capital T. Church is not supposed to look like the world. No, sir. So the whole idea that I would make my church servant relevant enough that the world feels comfortable. I got a feeling that wisdom on having a church service came from a spirit besides the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit didn't call you in here to pat you to be comfortable in your curse. He came with an answer that the whole world out there can't give you. You're here today for help. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. And if you just knew how good he was, you'd be racing toward it. You'd be falling on it, weeping your eyes out, saying, God, I've tried to kill myself so many times and you didn't let me. Oh, you were just waiting until I finally got some sense, but I love you now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, is there any way? Any way I can still have a part of what you once showed me in your heart. And they say, yeah, come on back in here. He said, it'll all come to pass. I'll even speed up the years you wasted. But you've got to come to him with a sincere heart. Glory be to God, you've got to come to him with a sincere heart. But if you will, the Holy Ghost can restore the years. 
Glory be to God. He can do anything if you just get all in. But you got to know He is the will of God. Hallelujah. This is what I'm working toward now. I'm working on this real strong. And so give me just a few minutes. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed. Church ought to be a transformation center. Yes, sir. Glory be to God. You shouldn't come and go from church to stay the same. If you do, either the anointing wasn't there or you willingly were ignorant. Amen? Because I don't care how great a leader Moses was, he couldn't make people go into a promised land they didn't want to go into. And it doesn't really matter how anointed Jesus was, he couldn't get any miracles done in Nazareth because they wouldn't receive it. So God is a God that's a giver and he's always got his hand extended. But if you won't reach out and take it, He's done everything he can do. Amen? So that's part of what the Holy Ghost does. His divine influence of grace comes on us, and the scripture says he convicts. I don't like that word because it does sound so negative. It's really the Greek word for persuade or convince. Holy Spirit has the ability, if you'll just let him come on you, if you'll just respond to him just a little bit, he will convince you. Glory be to God. He will persuade you that it is to your wonderful, heavenly, supernatural best interest. It is to the riches of the wealth of a secure, stable, delivered life generationally for your whole family line just to come on in and let him have control and he'll make everything you broke right again. It's hard, hard to... But he can do it. And, he, and, he, and it's what he's in here to do today. So he wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and, here's the key. Are you ready? Yes. Say perfect will. Perfect. Say it again. Perfect. The perfect will of God. Say it again. Perfect One more time. Perfect the perfect will of God. That's what I want. How about you? Anybody in here want the will of God for their life? What about getting out of the permissive will into the perfect will of God? Anybody want the perfect will of God for their life? All right, we're going to spend the last few minutes talking about it because we're going to hit it again and again because God's going to do something with this church. And I might as well go ahead and announce it to you ahead of time. He's about to fill the church with the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. He wants a church full of the Holy Ghost, Brother J.D. That's what he wants. Now, I've been in Asia. I've seen spirit-filled churches. I've been in Latin America. I've seen spirit-filled churches. I've been all over Africa. I've seen spirit-filled churches. And by and large, the Church of America is not spirit-filled. So it doesn't really matter what name you got on the sign. And the Holy Ghost is about to fill his church again. Now what we've got to get, oh yeah, you feel it, the fill of power of God? I remember I was in Canada, first time the Lord, I'll say came off the page, I was reading Acts 2, and I'm in a minister's meeting, but the church happened to be there, and I was preaching in the church and, along with the meetings, and I got up on the stage, and the Spirit of God said, I want to fill my church. He said, it is my will to fill my church with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, that's how the church started. Now, I knew that. I guess I knew it. I'd preached it all my life. But it's different knowing it and knowing it. And I still, I'd been in ministry years before I really realized that God's highest will is never done in any church that's not filled with the Holy Ghost. That was his first 
thing that he willed to do. When he birthed the church, the very first promise he gave them was tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high and I will send the promise of my Father upon you not many days hence. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. It is the number one thing that made the church the church. So understand that it's being filled with the Holy Ghost that's the distinguishing mark of the New Testament church. And there is no such thing as a New Testament church that's not filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the church by and of its nature, by design, by its nature, is a lively house made out of lively stones that's built up for a habitation of the Spirit. It's not an organization for flesh and blood to come to. It is a living mechanism. It's an organism. Not an organization. It's a living body. Oh, come on. Y'all got to get this. You need to understand what makes the church the church is the habitation of the spirit. That's the very definition of what a church is. He built the church so the spirit could live there. Glory to God. So a church with no Holy Ghost is a museum. A church with no Holy Ghost is an Old Testament synagogue. Studying the law without the life of the Messiah in it. And then trying to keep that law they hear in their own strength. This is the distinguishing mark of what makes the New Testament the New Testament. People get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's how they knew they were God's children. Oh, come on now. I'm going to show you this. Apostle Paul, let's, let's bring up these writings here. I'll finish with this. I'm... I'm I'm watching my time and I got to make sure I preach long enough. So, Well, you're tithes. You got to get your money's worth. So now you can eat buffet. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, let's look at this now. And uh, we'll go to, uh, we're going to read King James and Amplified Classic, and then we're going to throw it up on the screen. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to read this, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted, that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, after you believed, now that right there tells you you're born again and this is a second experience. So he says, after you believed, you were sealed. Glory be to God. Marked. Sealed. With what? With that Holy Spirit of promise. I'm going to show you something here that's very important. That Holy Spirit of promise. Look at verse 14. 
We're going to be moving quick on this, so stay with me. Which is, the Holy Spirit now, is the earnest of our inheritance. How many of you would like for God's promises to be filled in your life? You want to fulfill? Has God promised you something you'd like to see fulfilled? Well, I'm about to show you the key. The master key. Are you ready? All right. Let's read verse 14 in the Amplified Classic. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. You have no guarantee to have any promise of God filled without being filled with the Holy Ghost. He's the promise fulfiller. He's the power that makes impossible things possible. He is the anointing that breaks the yoke off of you out of the other covenant, false spirits, demon spirits, things too strong for you. Without him, you are going to live a normal life and a normal life is dead. It's normal in the kingdom to be full of the Holy Ghost. Huh? Not running around finding the latest, you know, Bordeaux. Wine tasting, you know. Hmm? No, 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 no. Intoxicated with the Holy Ghost. You can't read the book of Acts. Can't read it without seeing that that was the thing that all the religious leaders and all the government leaders were the most intimidated by. Because they had something in and on them that at times didn't even let people get within their presence because they'd try to get there and fall back. Glory be to God because the church was full of God. God was in his church. God was in his people. The spirit that raised him from the dead was alive and he was alive and well and he proved Jesus was alive and demons screamed and left and they could get beaten and they'd go back to their company and the Holy Ghost would fall and the whole building would shake. I guarantee you when they were shaking and the building was full of the Holy Ghost, they weren't standing around saying, poor me, look what I had to go through to be a Christian and having people wash their little wounds. They had been beaten. There is no record whatsoever that they even talk about it. That was even a thing. In fact, the opposite was true. They rejoiced that they were counted so worthy from God and that they were so full of his spirit that they were so different that the world hated them because they had something from another world that nobody could get in this world. And I mean, it just literally intoxicated them. <laughs> Woo, Miss Sarah, glory to God. I knew when I started talking about it, he'd come in here. I knew he would. You can't talk about him without him manifesting. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Woo, and he wants you full of it. You need to look at your neighbor and say, you're full of it. Well, if you're not, you will be. Well, God's going to fill his church up with the Holy Ghost. Did you hear what I said? God's going to fill his church up with the Holy Ghost in fire. Hallelujah. It is his will. Understand, Jesus said the first instruction, a number one off the top, number one instruction to his disciples to organize the church. Terry in Jerusalem. This is how the church got started. Number one instruction. Until. So have a prayer meeting 
till you don't try to repeat building another synagogue like the ones you came out of. Till you're filled, endued with power from on high. In other words, church, don't even try to do anything for me until, until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And then when you get filled with him, you can do everything for me in the whole world. I mean, he didn't even tell them to go witness. He didn't even tell them to preach until they got filled. You need to get clear. Jesus came to do the will of God. He ministers the express will of God. And this, without exception, was God's highest, perfect, number one will for the church. Don't spill out in the streets and do anything. Till you get filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the will of God for the church. It's the distinguishing mark of what makes us different than the world. We're full of God. I can't do anything for you unless I'm carrying something bigger than me. Oh, but you can be. You can be. You can be. You can be. I'm far enough into this now, though there's so much more we could say. So here's what I want to do. I want to let the Bible talk for itself, okay? Fair enough? Let's read this right here. And we're going to read two or three scriptures, and then we're going to get the worship team back up here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Notice what it says. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Do you believe you have an inheritance Jesus purchased for you? How is it going to get guaranteed to you? What is the guarantee that you'll... That you will have, manifest, receive the inheritance. So what does it say if you don't, if you won't be willing to be filled with the Spirit? He is the first fruits, the pledge, the foretaste, the down payment on your whole Christian heritage. And when he comes in you, something happens. Hopes come alive and anticipation that everything else God promised you will come. It's full redemption. He will come into us and empower us and convince us that now, because we're his children, filled with his spirit, we will now be able to acquire full, complete possession of everything he's promised. Now, I've got a couple of scriptures. I've got one more scripture I'm going to go to, but I've got a couple more translations of this one. Of this one, I want to look at two more translations. Can y'all bring those up on the screen? It's a screenshot here. Please bring that up for me. Everybody watching, I want them to see it as well. Glory to God. Huh? Good news translation. And you've got the other one as well. Up behind. Now, look, now, this is the same verse in a different translation. Are you ready? The Spirit, say it out loud. The Spirit, the Spirit. is the guarantee, the guarantee that we shall receive what God has promised us. Now let's read it one more time. Are you ready? The Spirit is the guarantee that we shall receive what God has promised His people. And this assures us that God will give complete freedom to those who are His. Let us praise His glory. Can you see that a non-spirit-filled church gives God no glory? 
The glory of the church is that his spirit is in it. That's what makes the church glorious. That's what sets the church apart. That God somehow has sealed, marked, named. There's a distinguishing feature about you that no person can buy with their money. No Fortune 500 company can produce with their technology. It came from another world and you can't get it by earthly means. And it came on you as a sign of the creator's approval that you are his son and that he will always be with you. He will protect you, provide for you. He is your personal leader, God, protector, Lord, And he'll even be your valet, your helper to walk through life with bombs blowing up beside you and no smell of smoke gets on your clothes because there's something on you that's not on the world. It's the spirit of the living God that made the world. It sealed you. It it covered you. It marked you. And now people see you and they say, oh, there's something different about you. What is it that's different about you? Oh, it's the Holy Ghost. That's what's different about me. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. And you can beat me with a baseball bat, but I'm going to get up and preach tomorrow. And not because I've been to MMA and figured out how to recover and not let you kill me. But because the spirit that raises the dead will raise me up no matter what you do to me. Because I have something operating in me. It's from another world. (laughs) Woo! I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, are you different? Well, what does that say about you? See, huh? Well, I hope so. But if there's somebody sitting in this room thinking I'm different, it says something about them. That's like that lady that was the head intercessor for Brother Norval. We got in that Holy Ghost meeting. Bodies were flying around everywhere. I mean, Norval, hey, she's been casting out devils. She knows. She's heard all the messages. She's the prayer warrior for Norval Hayes' ministry. And we get in there and the power of God's blowing people around and, and the people are being healed. I laid hands on Brother Norval in his 90s. He comes out of the wheelchair. But she goes home and she said the way I was acting, you know, oh, I just don't know about him, Lord. I don't know about him. And the Lord said, huh, you think, she said, yeah, he's, he's a, I don't remember her words, but something like, he's a wild man. That's what she said. That's what she said. She said, Lord, I don't know about that man. He's a wild man. Uh-huh. And the Lord said, oh, you think he's a wild man, huh? He said, yeah, I do. He's a wild man. I just don't know about him. He said, well, if you'll fully obey me, you're going to be just like him. <laughs> see, that's the problem of why people don't obey God. Because they see it in operation and they're easy to say, well, that's Brother Tracy. And that's theatrics. And that's his personality. And when he's anointed to do that. And he's a preacher. And you know, well, I'm just not, I just don't. And they don't want it. Bottom line is they don't want it because they're afraid to be different. Well, look at our world. Look at what's happening in our world. Serving demons. Look at what's happening to them. Do you really want to be like them? then you better get full of the Holy Ghost. It's about time you start shucking some corn. I'm talking about come on out of your sheave and let let the world see who you really are. The body of Christ needs to do some coming out of the closet. 
If they can dye their hair all kind of rainbow colors and can't figure out what their name is, much less their gender, and have 50 different ways to identify themselves on Facebook and have marches, what are we doing in here with the creator of the world moving in our midst, sitting there like a bump on a log? Don't you think that according, oh, listen, this is huge. Second Corinthians 1, 14, 2, 14, second Corinthians 2, 14. Look at this. Look at this. Recently, um, you know, this has been a mainstay of my heart for all these years. Before that young man over there was born was a mainstay of my heart. But man, you've been preaching this because it came alive in you. And it wasn't because I put it in you or we even talked about it. The Holy Ghost did this in you. You were reading the word and you saw it for yourself. So now it's alive in him like it was alive in me. The fragrance of his knowledge is going out of us everywhere. People smell it when I walk in the room. And God Almighty, hallelujah, he leads us in a continual train of triumphal procession. It's about time we start having some parades of the miracles that God did in his sanctuary. Now you need to know that when Raymond T. Ritchie, which was evangelistic temple founder, and they'd be, it exploded and the movement went all over the world. But back in the healing waters days, I've got some books and access to some books but that are out of print now. But in the 1940s, they had a several week long, like a five week long healing crusade. In five weeks time, the spirit of God moved in such a way that they literally had enough donations that they built a wooden structure, named it Evangelistic Temple. A whole denomination was born out of it. They built a church out of a five week meeting. So many people got healed that they had a room which was, I don't know how wide it was, but in the picture it looked to be maybe 20, 30 feet wide and 30, 40 feet deep. And you could hardly get through the door and had to leave a walkway in the room for all the crutches and the braces and the wheelchairs and the paraphernalia of the people that got healed in the meeting. When the meeting was done, they had a parade of every person that received a miracle in that meeting they had a parade in downtown Houston, Texas and the parade of the people that got healings and miracles was 13 city blocks long. Now I'm telling you, it's happening here. No, I didn't get a good enough response. I said, I'm telling you, it's happening here. I'm telling you, I'm going to blow the stink off your brain and get you over into the power of God. Go ahead and stand on your feet. Glory to God. Look at this next verse. Yeah, come on up here, worship team. The name. Say the name. Say it again. One more time. I thought I'd have time to tell my testimony and all that and tell some other stories. We'll get there. Week by week, we're going to talk about this because if you want God's perfect will, it starts, the beginning place of His perfect will for your life is to get absolutely wall to wall filled with the Holy Ghost. And until you're full of the Holy Ghost, you will forever be outside the will of God. It is the door to every other promise. It is the door to that other world. It is the door 
to resurrection power. It is the distinguishing mark that makes me different, makes you different than everybody else you know that's coming and going from church and living sad, broken, dysfunctional lives. It is the Holy Spirit. He's the one. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now let's go back to first to Ephesians 1.14. What is that other translation? We just read good news. This is uh, God's word. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive our inheritance until we are set free to belong to him. And God receives praise and glory for this. You need to understand, we're always saying, well, I want to give God glory. Well, then get full of the Holy Ghost. Because getting filled with the Spirit is to the praise of His glory. It is what makes Him God. It is what makes you His child. And, oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Now, how many of you have ever read 2 Corinthians 1.20? Have you ever read that? Here's what it says. I want to read it in the King James very quickly. How many promises? All the promises of God. In Him are yes. Do you believe they belong to you? Do you believe He said yes to you? Are in him are yes, and in him, amen. What is amen? So be it. So he said, yes, every promise you can name, he's already predisposed to give it to you. He's already said, yes, in Christ you have it. Yes, in Christ you're healed. Yes, in Christ you're delivered. Yes, in Christ you're prospered. Yes, in Christ you have revelation and guidance and anointing and all that. You already have it. Amen. So be it. And, and to the glory of God by us. Next verse. He who has anointed us and establishes us establishes us in Christ and has anointed us as God. Do you notice this? Establishes us in Christ, anoints us with God's anointing, all the promises we receive, amen, and so be it. Here's the problem. We've read that, run around claiming it, and we don't qualify. Oh, but I'm in Christ. I've accepted Jesus. Well, you better read the next verse. who has also sealed us and given us the earnest of His Spirit in our hearts. You don't qualify for all the above unless you're full of the Holy Ghost. He is that. He's what makes all the promises available. He's what guarantees that it can happen. Because without His power... These promises have to be miracles. They have to come to pass outside of human intervention. And the only way that can happen is the Holy Ghost. So without the Holy Ghost, you don't get the promises. That's why non-Holy Ghost churches don't believe in healing and miracles. Because they don't have the agent that will persuade them they're for today. They don't even have their eyes open to read the Bible the same. They take the same scriptures we read, act like they're not even in there, and say, gifts have passed away. And that God's putting sickness on you to get glory. Well, that's not what Ephesians 1 said. Ephesians 1 said, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, He'll heal you, then God will get glory. So the Bible says the opposite of what they actually believe, and it's why they're, that's why they're, why they're dead. A non-spirit-filled church is not a New Testament church. That's right. 
if you've got the guts to hang with me long enough to take you through the Bible, you'll be as sure of it as I am. Now, this verse 22, two translations. Are you ready? The NIV. God set the seal of his ownership upon us. Put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing. See, the guarantee that you're going to receive the promise is the seal of the Holy Ghost. Sure is quiet in here. Look at the next verse. I believe it's the New Living Translation. Are you ready? And he has identified us as his own. You do realize this is how the world knows you're a child of God. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why people come and go from church all the time. They can't tell the difference between them and their, their boss who's a heathen. They come and go from work and draw the paycheck. Too timid to open their name. Oh, uh, you know. You get a Christian teacher that's more scared of the government and legislation and legal repercussion. I get it. I understand conscience, wisdom. Yeah, but you can, I'm telling you, you can be an iron fist in a velvet glove. When you know that name and you're full of the Holy Ghost, there is nothing that they can tell you to do or not to do that will intimidate you. You have the intimidating spirit. Doesn't mean you act a fool and try to do it in your own strength, but it does mean you've got something that they cannot stop, quench, ignore, or deny. Which is the whole reason why they're trying to shut you down. Because you're the only one in the room they're afraid of. Because <laughs> you've got a name. Ain't nobody going to come in and shoot up your classroom. You're full of the Holy Ghost and you've got a name. <laughs> Can't happen here. we got the blood in the name. Glory be. You see what I'm saying now? You see what I'm saying now? Glory be to God. Woo, glory be to God. Look at this. He has identified us as his own. What does this say about you if you're not even, have your prayer language yet? It says that you're going to forever battle in your identity whether or not you are empowered by the creator to get this done, to really be able to do what God called you to do. You're always going to struggle trying to get God to do something. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you instantly become aware that you're God inside minded. God lives in me. God. God lives in me. Glory to God. I have plans for thee. To dwell within and manifest without. So rise up, my son, in faith and do not doubt. That the talents and graces I've given unto you were not of your own making. And inside you always knew that something greater for your future is in view. Well, today the answer comes in a very clear way. Filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and power. I have some things to say. Visitation is coming, and you shall know that all the life before now has been to prepare you for this flow. For you're about to see and know what your next steps shall be. Get ready, my son, because the Holy Ghost has come upon thee to set thee free. 